Let me pray, and then we're going to look into God's Word this morning. So, God, we, uh, we believe in the Holy Spirit, and uh, we trust the Bible. And we trust the Bible because Jesus talked about the Bible, the Old Testament, and trusting ways and he told his followers that they would be reminded by the holy spirit of all he said and did and they're the ones that wrote the new testament so we trust the bible because jesus you trusted it so our trust rests in you and uh, we believe that what scripture says is that we can uh, this will train us up by understanding scripture we can become the kind of men and women we want to be and that's full of the life and power that comes from god we ask this all in christ's name amen so, topic to start with is Q&A, question and answer. I'm not going to ask for Q&A, but here's a story about uh, a kid's Sunday school class where a question was asked, and we, we don't know what the answer is supposed to be kind of thing. So the Sunday school teacher said, I'm going to describe something, and I want you to raise your hand when you know what it is. The children nodded eagerly. This thing lives in trees, eats nuts, no hands went up, and it's gray has a long bushy tail. The children were looking at each other, but still no hands raised. And it jumps from branch to branch, and it chatters and flips its tail when it's excited. Finally, one little boy tenderly raised his hand. The teacher breathed a sigh of relief and called to him. Well, said the boy, I know the answer must be Jesus, but it sure sounds like a squirrel to me. All right? But it's like this, we, there are certain questions and answers we have when it comes to spirituality, especially about Christianity. And like, here's some questions. Now I'm going to talk about questions and questions that we might interact with people who don't know much about the church or about Jesus. Here's some questions I grew up thinking that were important to ask people, all right? One question from a popular, well-intentioned program of evangelism was that you're supposed to ask people, if you were to die tonight, are you sure you, what would you say to God as to why he should let you into heaven? That was the important question to ask somebody. Another question you asked somebody, I was taught to ask people, is are you saved? That's the big question you ask people. Are you saved? If you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven or hell? Or do you know God loves you? And those are all well-intentioned questions, but I would say maybe and I'm going to actually say they do, miss the point. Because none of those questions ultimately are about Jesus. Those are good questions. And there's things behind those questions that are all good. But I'm going to challenge not just you, but me as well, is to always make sure, and we talked about this last week, but I wanted to go off on it some more. And Katie even made some comments last week about talking about Jesus with people. Not talking about if they go to church or not, not talking about if they believe in God or not, not even talking about if they've been baptized or not, but talking to people about Jesus because the gospel is Jesus, All right? So here's the question, here's the question for the day, go to the next one. The question is, uh, who is this man? That's the question I want to always be thinking about. I want people that I'm interacting with who aren't Christian to think about. That's what I want all of us to think about. Because if we're followers of Jesus, we're not simply Christians. We're not simply people who want to make sure we go to heaven after we die. We're not people who simply say we're saved. And I'm not mocking any of those terms, but that's not really the, the biggest part of the point. So I'm just going to read one story from the Gospels and then talk about how do we think about who Jesus is. And sometimes it's, we need to be reminded. 
Um, there's a famous story. I think it was from the Green Bay Packers and Vince Lombardi, I think. And they weren't playing well or something, so they had practice one day. And he pulled, he thought he needed to start over from the beginning. And he pulled out a football and held it up before the team and says, Gentlemen, this is a football. In other words, we're going to start at the basics. But I think at times it's good to go back to say, who's Jesus? Not just for non-Christian friends and conversations you have, but for me and for you. Because we're not, um, we're not simply being religious, we're followers of Jesus. So here's the story, and here's the story where this question comes up. Who is this man? All right, this is the story of Jesus and his disciples were about ready to cross the Sea of Galilee in a boat. Now, the Sea of Galilee really, it's called the Sea of Galilee. It was also called Lake Gennesaret. It's, it's uh, four times as big as Lake Monroe. So it's not really, don't think, you know, Mediterranean Sea, but it was a big body of water. I mean, you could actually, if you're on one side, you can faintly see the other side. But think four times bigger than Lake Monroe, so it was big. And they were crossing in a boat. The boat would have been maybe from maybe here to the pole. They weren't big boats. So, uh, but again, it wasn't like out in the middle of the ocean, but it was still a big body of water. So it says, evening came. This is Mark chapter 4, verse 35. As the evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and they started out, leaving the crowds behind. Although other boats followed. So it's kind of an entourage of boats. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking under the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. So just stop there for a second, and let's all be the disciples in the boat. And it's, it's rocking, and it's shaking, and it's like, it's, it's scary. I mean, it's, they're anxious. Understandably, you and I would both be anxious in that situation. Because they were, they were seasoned, most of them were seasoned fishermen. So storms wouldn't have been a surprise to them. But something about this really rattled them. So maybe it was more, but Jesus is sleeping. The disciples woke him and they were shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? And again, these weren't like novice people on the boat. Most of them were seasoned. Don't you care? Don't you care? When Jesus woke up, He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Which, if you and I are honest, there's times Jesus would probably does want to ask us that question about our own fears and anxieties. He says, and and you want to say to Jesus, well, Jesus, it's obvious why they were afraid, but yet he was getting at something deeper. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And it says disciples were absolutely terrified. Terrified even after Jesus calmed the storm. So they're terrified at this guy, Jesus. And they says they said to them each other, who is this man? They ask each other. That even the winds and the waves obey him. So they they had already seen Jesus heal people, so they knew there was something special about this guy. But now, in a, in a life threatening time of anxiety and fear, he does something. He calms the storm, 
And it said they said to each other, and again, these are disciples. These weren't, these weren't just passers-by. They said to each other, who is this guy? Who is he? We don't, we don't totally get who he is. And so if you, you know, if you were to ask most people today, I, I mean, I'm, I don't have the technology to do man-on-the-street interviews, but if you ask a lot of people about who Jesus is, especially if you just went on random people or asked your neighbors, maybe not churchgoers, they would probably say, oh, he's a good teacher, he was a, a good man. Uh, some might say he was a really good social activist. He was a good, you know, good person, did good things for people, loved the poor. Um, and if you ask even people in the church, we might just say, oh, well, he's, we might give the right answers. He's the son of God. He's, he's, you know, he died for my sins. But sometimes, not sometimes, always, it's always good to just Look at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and who is he? Who is Jesus? I've heard people tell me, I had one person tell me one time, well, we all, we all know that Jesus really is all about caring for the poor people. And I said to him, and I would encourage you to say the same with certain kind of I said, can you show me in the Gospels where you get that? Because if you can't show me where Jesus, yeah, Jesus spent time with marginalizing, but he wasn't like all about the poor. He was all about his mission to save people. So it's always good to ask yourself when you hear, this is what Jesus is like, to ask yourself or ask somebody, well, where do you get that? Because we all can stamp onto Jesus what we want him to be, and usually it might fit our political agenda or our social agenda. But if you just look at the Gospels and think, what, who is he? What did he say about himself? And what did he say about us? So I'm going to look at those, those questions. You know, who, who is he? What, what's he like? Who is Jesus? What do the Gospels tell us? Not what do we think, not what you've been told. I mean, we all, many of us grew up in churches, and maybe we were told things, and they're probably biblical basis, but sometimes we're told things, and it's like, well, where'd that come from? Or Jesus would do this, or Jesus would do that. So I have a list that I, I put together over a number of years of, of okay, what's Jesus like? So we can describe him to people. And this is all from different passages of scripture. But I'm just going to say this is what Jesus is like. This is the Jesus we say we follow. All right. He's powerful. He's terrifying. He's amazing. He's explosive. He's fierce. And he's focused. He's confrontational. He's controversial. And he's supernatural. He's never hurried. He's never manipulative. And he's never selfish. Courageous and truthful. He's blunt. He's disruptive. He's courageous enough to say what everyone else thinks but won't say. He's playful. He's witty. He's dynamic. He's sensitive. He's compassionate. He's incredibly kind. He's brilliant. I had one, one author said, Jesus is the most brilliant person that's ever walked the earth. Sometimes that rocks us, but it's like, no, he is. He's brilliant. If brilliance is he knew how to live life to the fullest and he was intelligent in the ways that all of us really would want to be intelligent. He's brilliant. He's wild. Jesus was wildly free. He was absolutely holy. He was full of truth and full of mercy. He was misunderstood. He was rejected. He was betrayed. He was mocked. He was tortured. He was crucified. And he was supernaturally raised from the dead. He's a real dangerous man, but he's an incredibly good man. So we have to describe Jesus in the context of what the New Testament tells us he's like, not what we want him to be like 
in the in today i've heard i heard somebody say once well if jesus was here today i'm sure he would think this about that and i said well how do you know that well i just think that's what jesus would do if he were here today but we have to always frame jesus in what the bible tells you like and all these things i said were things from scriptural stories that's what jesus is like one of the, one of my favorite ones is he's courageous enough to say what everybody else thinks but won't say sometimes to me and sometimes to you he will say things to you that everybody else wants to say to you or to me, but, he does, but Jesus will say those things. So that's who Jesus is, what he's like. Now, second thing, what did he do? What did Jesus do? What did he spend his time doing? And why do we follow this guy? Here's some things Jesus did. He called ordinary people to join his mission. He demands right now allegiance. He teaches with refreshing authority. He delivered people from Satan's power. He heals physical sickness. He amazes people. The word amaze comes up many times in the Gospels. The people were amazed. The people were amazed. He rejects the temptation to be popular. He focuses on God's mission of freedom. He touches the untouchables. He offers authoritative forgiveness. He socializes and eats with scum. There's a passage where the Pharisees were upset with Jesus spending time with sinners the bible tells he was hanging out with prostitutes and tax collectors and they said to the disciples why did your teacher why did your teacher hang out with such sinners and some translators i think accurately so translate not just the word as well but the tone and some 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 versions say why does he eat with such scum why does he hang out with those kind of people he offends the spirit of religiosity He's misunderstood and he's rejected, but he remains wildly free, peaceful and joyful. He teaches about the kingdom of God. He terrifies people. He amazes people. He offers himself up to be tortured and killed, and he rises from the dead. So what's he like? I just read, what, is he, what, is he, what did he do? So yeah, yeah, he cared about poor people, and things, but let's look at what he did and what he taught. And that's what I said. He talked about the mission of Jesus to set people free. That's what, that was his mission. Third question about Jesus. We can ask many more. But what did he say about himself? What did Jesus think? Who did he think he was? I had a conversation years ago with... Uh, I was teaching a graduate course at IU. And I had a guy in my class from Turkey. He was Muslim. So he wanted to invite me over to hang out with some of his friends. And drink, drink very, very, very thick Turkish coffee. It was like maple syrup thick. But one of the questions they asked, they kept saying was, Jesus didn't think he was God. If you talk to somebody who's Muslim, that's kind of, that's what they taught, they believed. They didn't think he was God. So then you have, we have to go back to the Gospels. Okay, what, Jesus, what did he say about himself? Here's some things he said about himself. I'm the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. I'm the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And these last two address his thoughts about his own sense of being God. Before Abraham was, I am. Talking about he, I've always been. And they said, I and the Father are one. And I remember having this conversation with, and he said, well, that Jesus, you know, that's not what he meant. But when Jesus said, I and the Father are one before Abraham was, I am. His fellow Jews got ready to stone him. 
because they knew what he was saying. Their reaction tells us they knew what he meant. So here we have Jesus, not just who has, can be described by incredible adverbs and adjectives, who did incredible things in terms of healing and supernatural things, but he had very clear beliefs about himself. I and the Father are one. So we, we talk about all that, and it's like that, that Jesus is the gospel. The gospel is not, not that it's wrong, but people often talk about there's a plan. We need to tell people the plan of salvation. The plan of salvation is Jesus. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with certain outlines different organizations use, but the plan of salvation is Jesus. And if we give people a clear picture of who Jesus is, God starts to work in them and they respond. I'm not saying having, you know, whether it's four spiritual laws, there's a bridge diagram, or Billy Graham crusades, all those things are really good and had really good, they they did really good things and very well intentioned by godly people. But sometimes we get lost in that and forget the gospel is Jesus. And if people are exposed to Jesus, not theology, but to Jesus, they begin to be intrigued by him. They begin to be drawn to him. Um, I like to say to people, Jesus' three favorite verbs that he said over and over again was repent, believe, and follow. He used those words multiple times. Repent, not meaning like we sometimes think of, uh, oh, stereotypical, whether it's TV shows or characters. He's not like, repent! He's not like this angry preacher screaming at people. Has anybody ever seen the sign that says, turn or burn? I, I knew a guy in college had a t-shirt, turn or burn, like, turn from Jesus or go to hell. That was never Jesus' message. Yes, Jesus believed in eternal punishment. I'm not saying he didn't believe that. His message was, his message to repent literally means to turn the way you think around. Think differently about your reality in your life. Yes, that might, that does mean you have to stop doing certain things, whether it's sinful things or just things that aren't sinful but aren't what God wants. You need to stop because you need to turn yourself away from your agenda to the agenda of Jesus in your life. So repent. And then he says, believe. He says many times, people, do you believe this? Do you believe? And believe and trust are some, in, in the original language, it's kind of the same word. Do you trust me? I mean, even as we were singing that last song, do we trust Jesus? Do we believe? So he, he, his call to us is repent, change our way of thinking about where we're going to, where we go to get life and hope. We're not going to get it. We're not going to get it in an IU basketball game, at least not this year. But, you know, but we tend to look for things that give us hope and life, and we want to feel as far as something big. But Jesus says, no, change your thinking. Financial security is not what's going to give you life and hope. A new relationship is not going to give you life and hope. Doing that thing or being involved in that behavior or that habit, that's not going to give you the life and hope you think. So change the way you're thinking because Jesus says, I'm the way. You follow me and you will have the Then he says, believe, trust me. That's a relational term. He's not just saying believe in a certain set, set of doctrines, but he's talking about himself. And then he uses the word that is probably my favorite word of Jesus because I think it's really important. He says, follow me. So Jesus wants followers. He doesn't want people who just believe he existed. He wants followers. I, I think I've said this before. My, 
my kids would remember one of my sons was talking about some of his friends and he said well they they believe in God and I said well what he said well they're a Christian too and I said but do they follow Jesus I don't know he would say well that's the that's the question the question is what not whether you or I say I believe in God or whether you and I say I'm a Christian the question is do I follow Jesus and following Jesus is a the nature of the, the context there is ongoing following. It's not like, did you pray to receive Christ one time? Yeah, there's importance to that. But the nature of the, it's, like, it's not like a point in time. It's a point in time that continues. So if you are a follower of Jesus, that's what he's looking for. He often said to the disciples, come follow me, come follow me, come follow me. Give up that, give up that, come follow me. So his favorite verbs were repent, believe, trust, and follow me. And then one more list of things. I put these together over the years, and I keep going back to them. And actually, the reason I went back to them because I had, I had a uh, somebody text me about two weeks ago. She came to church here seven or eight years ago. She lives in Colorado now. She said, and she wanted one of these lists because she said she heard somebody give a talk about Jesus, and she said it just didn't sound like the Jesus of the Bible to me. Like they were kind of putting Jesus into modern political terminology so she said you could give me that list so some of these lists i pulled back up again because i thought that's it's good it's good for me to be reminded that the gospel is jesus all right but the last list is this what did he say we should do yeah we the big terms were repent believe and follow but here's some other things he says to do that if we follow him we do these things or at least he can empower us to do these things love your enemies do good to those who hate you. Do not judge others. Forgive others. Forgive others. Heal the sick. You should tithe. These are all direct quotes from Jesus. You should tithe. Don't be afraid. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't worry. Go be reconciled to that person. Give to those in need. Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Love one another. Let your yes be yes. Keep the commandments. So those are things that if we're following Jesus, those, are, those aren't like, they're not boxes to check. I was talking to somebody earlier in the service about, or before the service started about, you know, being a part of religious culture where sometimes it's about checking boxes. It's not about checking boxes. It's about following Jesus. And if we follow Jesus, the things he says we should do are things we should give our attention to. So we're followers of Jesus. We're not, we're not religious. Well, we're religious people, but that doesn't define us. We're not religious. We're not box checkers. We're, we follow Jesus. So, I, again, I, it was funny because yesterday my, one of my kids asked me, what are you preaching about tomorrow? And I said, Jesus. And he goes, no, really, Dad, what are you preaching about? I said, Jesus. Today, Aaron, before the service, what are you preaching about today? I said, Jesus. And it's like, it's almost so obvious that sometimes I need to be and you need to be reminded that we follow Jesus. And the gospel is Jesus. The good news is Jesus coming and saying that he was the king and he was the Messiah. And if we follow him, something radically changes inside of us and can radically change in the world. The gospel is not a formula. 
The gospel is not a set of doctrinal statements that if you do those in order and check those boxes, you're going to be. The gospel is Jesus. The good news, gospel means good news. The good news is Jesus. So if he is who he says he was, if he's the king and he's the Messiah and he's sent from God and he resurrected from the dead, then why, why wouldn't I obey him? Why wouldn't I follow him? Why, why do I still want to take things into my own hands? Why do I want to still figure out how I can get life my way, how I can get joy my way, how I can manufacture peace my way? But we still do, so it's not wrong. None of us have arrived at you know level 10 of the spirituality scale, if there was such a thing. But just be aware of those times in your life where you're like, I, Jesus, I want to I wanna follow you. I mean, this week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close this as kind of a, Odd way, odd, almost not that odd. So my my MacBook broke this week, my computer. My life's on that computer, right? And I thought I backed it up. But when I went to check the backup, nothing was there. My computer was already sent in, most likely going to be wiped clean. And I, and I was, uh, my wife could attest to this, I was a little bit maniacal. I was like a little bit, she even told me, go take a nap, do something, you know, because and I, and I actually had to stop, and I even, I did. I stopped at one point and I asked Jesus, what's wrong with me? Why, why am I so bent out of shape about losing files on a computer? And I tell myself, well, there are files that I've had on there for 30 years. I know, but, why, but still, why am I so, I was rattled. So at least learn to ask the question, because I thought, Jesus, I know that's not what you want. You can, you can help me walk through these kind of issues I don't want to be a person that gets rattled by the fact that my computer got lost or whatever, you know, information. I don't want to be rattled by those things. But it's good to stop and ask Jesus, not, it's easy, don't go to self-condemnation, because it's easy. I was even easing off. I can't believe, why do I do this? I'm a pastor, why I can't? No, don't go there. Simply go to Jesus. Jesus, I, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I know you can heal me. If we focus on what's wrong with me, then we get into this hole of self-condemnation that you don't get out of very easily. But if I simply say, Jesus, what's... Bring the question to Jesus. He's the king. He's the Messiah. He's the one who will say things to you that others might think but won't say. Because he loves us. So bring your questions to Jesus about your life. Because there's no one, there's, there's no one like him. There's no one like him. There's no one who's going to give you the life and the joy and the peace that you want. There's no one like him. And you and I all know that's the right answer. If we had to check it in a test, Jesus is the right answer. But, you've, but learning how to bring those questions to Jesus, learning how to follow him, even though you might stumble and fall and mess up and do something stupid, get back up and follow Jesus. But follow the Jesus of the Bible, not the Jesus that our culture tells us to follow. Please, not the Jesus that our politicians tell us to follow. Follow the Jesus that the Bible talks about. And you will be changed, and you will change the world. So I'm going to finish with this last slide, and we'll go to communion. So this is, this is what makes Jesus even uh, totally sets him apart from the whole rest of the world, obviously. But Hebrews 12 talking about Jesus, has let us run with perseverance 
the race marked out for us. Read that next phrase with me. Start with fixing. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. One more time. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. One more time. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. He's the pioneer and he's the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. That phrase, if you read it, that, if you honestly read it, it's like that seems weird. For the joy set before, joy and cross. Joy and, he's being tortured, he dies. He's being totally mistreated. But for the joy set before him, the joy that's set before him is our joy. He knew what he would do and he could do for us. He knew that he would unleash something inside of us by what he did on the cross. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So not only is Jesus all those things I talked about already, what he does, who he is, what he said, but it all culminates in he, what he does for us. For our joy, he willingly endured the cross. So again, I ask myself the question, why, why wouldn't I follow a guy like that? Wholeheartedly, completely. So the night he was betrayed, Jesus was having the Passover meal with his disciples. An annual thing, but this time, of course, it was different. And he said, they were, he said this is my body and this is my blood uh, broken and shed for you. And they knew something was different about this night because the words were changed a little bit because he was talking about himself being the sacrificial lamb. He said, every time you eat this, every time you drink this, remember me. Remember me. Remember me. He didn't say, every time you eat this and drink this, remember how bad of a sinner you are and how you need Jesus. It's more of, no, remember Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And so when we take this into our bodies... We're basically inviting Jesus. We're inviting the King, the Messiah, the one who has no equal in the whole world. We're inviting his spirit into our lives. So we can become the kind of people who are full of deep joy, deep peace, deep rest, deep love for other people. Because Jesus, not because we figured it out. So here's what we do at Exodus. Aaron's going to come up and lead us in one more song. Uh, we come up, don't desist our rose, you just come on up. Um, you take a wafer. And then we offer you the cup, and we just dip the wafer in the cup. Most people eat it right away. Some people take it back to their seat. There's no, like, right or wrong with that. But uh, even as you come up, I always like to, you know, what should we remember? Just remember, remember he's the king. He's the Messiah. He did something for you that no one else has done and will ever do for you that can change your life. So, Jesus, we're grateful. And maybe grateful is, maybe I said that almost too trite sounding, but we're deeply grateful um, because we know the kind of life we think we want. We want joy. We want peace. We want to be kind to other people. We want to be generous. But that always eludes us because we can't do it unless your spirit's inside of us and your spirit's not inside of us unless we invite your spirit inside of us and welcome that inside of us. And like I said, there's no one like you. No one like you. And it's all about you. And we love you and we follow you today. And our deepest prayer is we will follow you all of our days. And we ask this on your name. Amen.